Welcome to the One Crossing Podcast. Here you can find past sermons along with other exclusive content. Our prayer is that God will move in your life even when you are on the go. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, hello, Crossing Church. How are you doing today? You doing all right? Oh, you can do way better than that. How are you doing? Are you doing good today? It is a good day. It is a good, any day is a good day when you're in the house of the Lord and when you're with the people of the Lord and you're opening the word of the Lord and the word of the Lord is getting into your heart. I'm excited. Not, you know, and it takes a lot to get me excited if I'm not preaching because I get excited when I preach. But this is, this is like a tree eat for me. And uh, this is the treat is that uh, we have Randy Frazee in the house. And you don't know it. You don't know it. But Randy has been teaching you for like 60 or 70 weeks. Because if you went through the story and if you went through Believe, that was him teaching you. The reason that you and I say and use this, these words upper story and lower story, he came up with that. And I mean, it, it was transformative in my life to really understand the difference between those two things and how they interact with me. And uh, uh, he's uh, preaching this week and he's preaching next week. And uh, I cannot be more excited. He's with, with his uh, wife, Roseanne, here. And I, am, I mean, I am just excited for all of you being able to listen to Randy Frazee. So you help me welcome him onto the stage right now. Thank you, Jerry. Well, hello, Crossing Church. How are you doing? I think someone just asked you that, but I want to give you another opportunity. How are you doing? It is a huge, huge privilege to be here. I've been anticipating this for some time. Uh, a treat enough for Roseanne and I to come and hang out with Jerry and Allison, uh, and we've been able to do that all day today. Thank you for ordering up one of the best days like of the year, you know? And uh, for us to be able to hang out with Clayton and Jennifer and the rest of the team, it's been super duper wonderful. And uh, we have a great love uh, for this church and way to go. I mean, what you guys have done, not very many people have been able to do to be uh, making the name of Jesus famous in these like micropolitan cities. Like who can do that? Well, crossings can do that with the help of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Someone asked you a question. Are you ready to dig into the word? Yeah. You up for that? Let me pray, and then we'll dive right in. Father, we come now with a great sense of gratitude in our heart that you speak today through your word and through your spirit. And Father, for everyone that is hearing these words, whatever campus they may be on, however they may be watching online, I just pray, Father, that, that you will show yourself to be strong. And that, Father, that is not by accident that we have all come together in this moment because you want to speak to your people and you want to speak to them individually and you want to offer up not only your truth but you want to offer up your grace you want to offer up your healing you want to offer up your hope and so father we come with great anticipations as we open up our mind and our hearts and our hands to you we pray this in the name of jesus and anybody who agreed with that prayer shout it out amen, amen. uh when i was a boy I dreamed of being a superhero. I mean, any superhero would do, but the one that I wanted to be the most like 
was Ultraman. Ultraman was the star of the coolest, coolest show on TV between the uh, years of 1966 and 1967 when I was five years old. Ultraman was a tall character wrapped in a stainless steel suit of armor. He uh, had um, an oval-shaped head and two bug eyes and a light in the center of his chest, which was connected to his heart, that uh, was called the color timer. And here's the deal. Uh, Ultraman could only be on Earth for three minutes at a time because his life source and his source of energy came from the solar system from the, of solar energy. So with the atmosphere filtering it, he only had three minutes to fight against the evils on Earth. And whenever that time was running out, it started off, the light in the center of his chest would start off with the bluish gray color, but as time was ticking on, it would turn to red. And then when it was even getting closer, the red light would begin to blink, and he was running out of time. And if it ever went black, it meant that Ultraman would die. And as you can imagine, every single episode, Ultraman was on the brink of death fighting the monsters. And it caused a boy like me to hold my breath and move closer to the television. And in every single episode, Ultraman won. Because that's what superheroes do. In 1966, my parents bought me an Ultraman costume for Halloween. And when I put that costume of steel on, actually polyester, I became Ultraman. And in 1966, not only did I bag a lot of candy for Halloween, but for many, many weeks after that, when I put that uniform on, I was responsible for taking out all of the space monsters that threatened our universe and even rescued a few damsels in distress. Why have you never been overcome by a space monster? It's because I took care of them before they came to you. You're welcome. But then I became an adult, and time to put away the foolishness of being a superhero, time to take off the cape and get on with the mundane life of being an adult, working through the day, going to work, grinding it out, paying the bills, stuff like that. And then, not too long ago, I came upon a passage of scripture that gave me a sense of pause. And maybe you've seen it before, maybe you have not, but I spent quite some time drilling in to this passage and asking some questions. It's found in the book of Ephesians chapter one. And here the Paul, Paul is going to issue a prayer and an invitation to us based upon the truth of God. Listen carefully. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same 
as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, I read a lot of words there, but essentially, if you had to put it in a sentence, this is the invitation. Paul is claiming that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us who believe. Okay, I want you to say that out loud for me to let us sink in. Ready? Here we go. Ready? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us who believe. Can I get an amen? Amen. Holy Toledo. Now, there are two questions that should emerge in your mind when you look at that statement. The first one is, 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 is the acknowledgement, that's a lot of power. I mean, that's more power than Ultraman had. And as a believer in Jesus, the scripture is saying, I have access to the same kind of power that raised Jesus from the dead, even as an adult? You gotta be kidding me. You've got my interest. Tell me how to tap into it. But the second question is a little bit more inquisitive, and that is, why couldn't Jesus raise himself from the dead? It said some other force raised Jesus from the dead, and that force is in us who believe will also raise us from the dead and give us access to that power. Why? Well, that led me to the next book in the Bible after Ephesians, the book of Philippians, chapter 2. And here the same author, Paul, writes, take a look, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now listen carefully. Who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Now, what is this saying? It's saying that Jesus, who is God, voluntarily decides to come into our neighborhood, break into our world, and take on the nature of a human. Now, here's the deal. When divine nature, God, collides with human nature, man and woman, something has to give. The two cannot coexist together, and we cannot say that he's 100% God and 100% man because there is a conflict. What do I mean by that? God is omnipresent. Now, those of you new to your faith may not know what that means. It just means that he can be anywhere at all times. God is that way. Humans are not. Something has to give. Secondly, God is omniscient. Fancy word that simply means God knows all things. All things and humans are not. God is omnipotent. Another fancy word that simply means he is all powerful and humans are not. So something has to give. And it tells us in this passage in Philippians 2 that he made himself nothing. In other translations, it's saying that before he entered into our world, 
He emptied himself of something, and the word is kenosis in the Greek language. Jesus is God, but he did not want to take advantage of his position as God when he came down to represent us in the human race. And what, what he's doing, I want you to listen in, what, what Jesus is essentially going to do is to represent the second Adam. Jesus is going to represent the second Adam and engage in a redo of the mess that the first Adam got us into. The first Adam got us into a huge mess and he passed on that mess to us in the form of a word called sin that keeps us separated from God. Jesus is coming, the Bible tells us, as the second Adam and he's going to redo what Adam failed to do and we're gonna have an opportunity to realign our identity from the first Adam to the second Adam and when we do, we are born again. That's what that means. And so Jesus is going to show us the way. He's going to represent us. And if he's going to represent us, he's going to have to leave behind these three omnis, if you will, because that would give him unfair advantage. Haven't you thought of that before? That would give him unfair advantage. So what I now believe in my study of scripture is that Jesus emptied himself of these three omnis. Um, omnipresence, omniscience, and omnipotence. And I want to show you just for a few seconds in Scripture where I get this. First of all, Jesus could not be anywhere at all times. He limited himself. If Jesus wanted to get from Galilee to Jerusalem, how does Jesus do it? He walks just like you and I do. We notice that after the resurrection, Jesus receives a resurrected body. And if you study the story, you'll see that Jesus has this way to sort of transport himself instantaneously from the, the seven-mile walk from the road of Emmaus back to the disciples like that. And he seems to be walking through walls. Something is utterly different after the resurrection, but from his birth all the way to his death on the cross, he was limited. Number two. Jesus didn't know everything when he walked on the earth. Now, I need you to take that into your cranial, okay? Jesus did not know everything when he walked on the earth. For example, I'm going to give you two examples. Luke chapter 2 and verse 52, it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Listen up. If Jesus is God, he cannot grow in wisdom. God cannot grow in wisdom, but yet we find Jesus here as a young person is growing in wisdom. One of three things is happening here. Either number one, Jesus is not God, which means his death on the cross was a good idea, but not very effective. We're in trouble. Number two, the scriptures is unreliable in conveying to us something about Jesus, which means we might as well throw the Bible out, we're in big trouble. Or the third is that something else is going on. And I'm going to suggest that something else is going on. Now here's another clue. Later on in the ministry of Jesus, he's now an adult, his disciples come to him and ask him when the end is coming. And Jesus says, you may be familiar with this, Mark chapter 13, verse 32, but about that day or hour, Jesus says, no one knows, 
not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Jesus didn't know when the end was coming. So, as I've already rehearsed for you, let me rehearse it again so it sticks in, that if Jesus didn't know, then it either means he's not God or equal with the Father, and we've got ourselves a big problem on our hand. You do have the alternative of becoming a Jehovah Witness, because they would believe in what's called subordinationism, and that Jesus is under the Father. But we believe that Jesus is equal to the Father, but here he doesn't know when the end's coming. The Father does, but he doesn't. So either Jesus isn't God, trouble. The Bible is not reliable in telling us what was actually going on in the mind of Jesus, trouble, or something else is going on. I think there's something else going on, and that is that Jesus left his ability to know everything behind while he came to represent us and show us the way. Number three, Jesus did not have the power to perform miracles or rise people from the dead, raise people from the dead. He did not have that power. Now, maybe you've never thought about that before, but let me give you some text to help you think about it. We've already heard from Ephesians chapter one that Paul says that Jesus did not raise himself from the dead. There was another force that did it. In the writings of Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, he identifies, just one of several passages, that identifies what that force is. Peter writes, he was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that is raising Jesus from the dead. But not only raising him from the dead, but giving him the power to perform miracles and to heal people. Think about it. The Bible makes it very clear. Um, even Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 28, he's speaking to people that are, are challenging him. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Here Jesus admits with his own lips that the power to perform miracles and to cast out demons isn't coming from within himself, but rather it's coming from the Spirit of God. Now, hear me out. Careful, careful, careful. I am not saying that Jesus is not 100% God and 100% man at the same time. But the collision of those two ideas, something has to give. And I believe that what Jesus is doing is that he's leaving behind the three omnis to reconcile this transaction. And I came up just... Boom, with a perfect example of this. But let me give you one more passage of scripture. Philippians chapter two, verse seven, in the message translation. Paul writes, when the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. He didn't set aside deity, he set aside the privileges of deity. And I just trying to think, how can I get this really thick concept across to people when I only have a few minutes to do it. And last night, Jerry gave me a great example. So we come into town and, um, and uh, Jerry uh, decides and Allison to take Roseanne and I out to dinner. And we, I think we ate at one of the nicest places in Quincy, Illinois. It was really cool. It was a bit pricey and uh, wow, it was awesome. And we laughed and we had fellowship. It was so good. The experience, the blessing of the Lord. And it came time 
and the bill came and I reached in and got my wallet and then Jerry went like this. Oh no, I left my wallet at home. And I go, you've got to be kidding me. And I said, this is exactly what he did the last time we had dinner together. He conveniently left his wallet back at the hotel. And here's the deal. Jerry had the power to pay for the bill. He just didn't have it with him there at the restaurant. He had the power once he got back home but while he was at the restaurant, he did not have the power to pay. Once he got back home, which I was hoping he will, uh, issue me a check for the, at least my, his half of the deal, he will have the power, if he wanted to, to, to pay for the whole thing. In the same way, Jesus has the power to pay. He has it, but he left it in the heavenly home so that when he walked the earth for 33 years, he voluntarily put himself in a vulnerable position just like you and I so that he might show us the way to God through the way in which he taught, but more importantly, by the way in which he lived his life. The story I told about Jerry is fictitious. He paid for dinner. He had his wallet with him but I think you get my point, amen? amen? I would encourage you to read through the Gospels afresh, all four of them, and see if what I'm teaching you doesn't now line up with what you know about the life of Jesus. And you will fall in love with him even all the more because of it, because of what he sacrificed and gave up to show you the way back to God. Now, we don't know much about the early years of Jesus besides his birth and an event that took place when he was 12 years old at the temple. As a matter of fact, Mark's gospel bypasses the birth of Jesus and this event at 12 years old and drops right into Jesus at the age of 30. Does anybody recall the event that the gospel of Mark opens up with? The event is the baptism of Jesus. Why? Listen up because this is where he received his access to power. When John the Baptist is bringing Jesus up out of the waters, the Bible says that the heavens open up and the Father shouts down, you are my son whom I love and I am well pleased. And then it tells us, you've probably seen this before, that the Spirit descends upon him like a dove. In John's Gospel, it doesn't tell us that the Holy Spirit descended down upon Jesus and made a cameo appearance and then went back up into the heavens. It says in John's gospel that when the Spirit came down upon Jesus, he remained with Jesus the remainder of his time on earth. The very next passage tells us that the Spirit leads him into the wilderness to be tempted. Now the second Adam is being led into the Garden of Eden, if you will, and he will not over, only overcome one temptation, but he will overcome three temptations. Adam, the first Adam failed at the first temptation. The second Adam conquers after all three. And based upon what I said, he did not do it out of the power he left behind in the heavens, but he did it experiencing the temptation just like you and me. We don't see any miracles 
coming from the life of Jesus until after this event. We don't see any miracles in the life of Jesus until after his baptism, but now that the Spirit is upon him, the first of the 39 miracles appears next where he turns water into wine, or as the Baptists say, he turns the wine back into water. That was a joke. I guess Jerry's told that one 100 times. What Jesus is going to do over the next three years is to show us as humans how we can have access to power. And Jesus is going to do three things. And if you will do these three things, you will have access to the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's in the word of God. Does anybody want to have access to the same power that raised Jesus from the dead? Does anybody want to have access to the same power that raised Jesus from the dead? Then I'm going to, next week, tell you what these three things are. And they are accessible to you. But I want to tell you this. It begins when you believe. It begins when you not only believe in your heart, but when you confess with your mouth. It begins when, like Jesus, you go public for God through baptism. So while I'm gonna teach you three things next week from scripture that you've likely never seen before, the very first step into access into this power, Jesus modeled it for us, is that you need to be baptized. And if you haven't done that, then you have no access to the power. So that's it. I'm excited, I got so excited about this discovery that uh, I organized it into a message back in 2016 for Easter in San Antonio where I used to uh, be the lead pastor. And uh, on that Easter Sunday with nobody signed up, 286 people got baptized. 286 people got baptized. In one day, people were going down in their Easter best because we had run out of t-shirts and they kept, because why? Because they wanted access to the power. And if you want access to the power, you will do the same thing. From there, my publisher asked me if I wanted to write a book on this, and I said, absolutely. And within just like a month, they came up with the title after all the research. It's called His Mighty Strength. Walk daily in the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And the publisher says, if you want, it doesn't come out until March. This is all fresh. But if you want to get the first, uh, one of the chapters of it and start reading it, uh, they're giving you access to it. They've never given anybody else access to it, so that's how you get a hold of it. Text Mighty to 313131. So I got so excited, I went into contract to write a book that I was probably more excited about than any book I have ever written, and then something happened that blindsided me. Four people, during the same time, four people in my life betrayed me. These are close people of mine. We had made a pact, and for 10 years we kept that pact, and then out of nowhere, they betrayed me. And it cost me dearly. Have you ever been betrayed? At first it didn't really bother me that much, but then it began to sink in what they did. And as I got to learn more of the facts, it really started to bother me. 
And what ended up happening is I went from the upstairs of my mind, where love and joy and peace, contentment resides, and I went down to the basement of my mind that is designed for survival and dealing with threats. And I was being placed in fight or flight or freeze mode. Some of you are shaking your head because you have been there. And I went down to the basement of my brain to try to deal with the trauma that I had experienced. The problem is I stayed down there too long and dark things began to happen. And when I wanted to come back up, the cellar door was locked and I couldn't get back up. As a matter of fact, I went to bed one night and about three o'clock in the morning, I woke up in panic and breathless and I was literally beating my pillow. Now wide awake, I was watching the movie of these last few months sort of uh, rolling across the screen like a nightmare. I rehearsed every decision that I made or I failed to make that left me blind to the unfolding scheme. I obsessed over every detail of every conversation, every plot twist, every rabbit trail ad nauseum. And interesting, instead of lashing out at those who betrayed me in the middle of the night, I was lashing out at myself. You are stupid. How could you not see this coming? You're an idiot. Why are you always so trusting? It's over for you. There's no bouncing back from this one. You are in a disgusting mess. You're completely powerless to pull yourself together. And this not only happened on one night, but it happened for many, many nights. But that wasn't it. I stopped singing. I sing. If I'm not talking, I am singing. I stopped singing completely. My wife was the first to notice it. I isolated myself from my family and friends. I stopped eating. I lost, within a few months, 20 pounds. And I lost my drive to succeed and to conquer. And I finally went to a doctor. Matter of fact, I didn't go to one doctor. I went to four, all Christian doctors. My family doctor, a, a counselor, licensed counselor, a psychologist, and a psychiatrist. So if you're thinking that pastors are exempt from needing help, you are wrong. And I was in a desperate place living in the basement of my mind. And I remember the day that the psychiatrist said, Randy, you are clinically depressed. You're not just having a bad day. You are in a bad place. And the irony of it all did not escape me. I was under contract with HarperCollins Christian Publishing, the largest Christian publishing house on the planet, to write a book about how to walk daily in the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, but I couldn't raise myself off the couch. What a fake, what a poser I was. And the pen was dry. God was going to allow me to field test my new intellectual discoveries on my own life and the state of powerlessness. So let me ask you a question. I'm going to put up a empowerment scale on the screen and I'm going to ask you where you would place yourself. On the low end, it says, I am powerless. On the far end, it says, I am empowered. 
and then I'm somewhere in between. Before the betrayal, anybody who would know me would say this is a modest declaration. I would put myself somewhere between eight and nine on the empowerment scale. Do you know what my blood type is? Be positive. But after the betrayal, two months after the betrayal, I would put myself at a two. That, my friends, is called a free fall. A free fall. And I want to suggest that with all the new stressors that are upon your life, maybe some of them you haven't even, you haven't even come to terms with. You are so stressed out that you don't even know it. But I have to believe that there's some other people listening to my words right now and saying, I was already in a rough place before COVID-19. But now with COVID-19, that will not seem to go away. And with all of the issue of wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, and then the racial tension, and then now the, the election stuff. I mean, we are all experiencing some form of PTSD. And that is to be added on to the stress that we were experiencing before. And the next time we get together, I'm going to lay out three things that Jesus did to show us how to get access to the power that he promised. Jesus, as the all-powerful God and creator of all things, put himself in a very vulnerable position to show us the way to an empowered life that ultimately leads to our resurrection from the dead. But for many of us, we're not too focused on that right now. Being raised from the dead, we just want to rise up from our couch with a little bit of hope. So there's two things I want to leave you with today. The first one is the power is available only to followers of Jesus Christ. It is not available to everyone, only to followers of Jesus Christ. And you become a follower of Jesus Christ by inviting Jesus to be the forgiver of your sin that you inherited from the first Adam and manifested in the activities and behaviors of your life and washing that all away and demonstrating that through your baptism. So first action step for you this week is if you have never been baptized, I'm not talking as an infant, I'm talking as a believer in Jesus, then that is your first step to accessing that power and you can do that today. The second thing I'd like to do is I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to pray for you. And so we're gonna uh, have a time of worship in just a moment, so I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet uh, on all of the campuses. And even if you're watching online, you can participate in this as well. And you can certainly sit at your seat, but what I'd like to do is I'd like to ask you, if you find yourself today in a position much like I have been in, where I have felt not very empowered, maybe because something hasn't turned out like you thought it was going to turn out, maybe because someone left you, someone betrayed you, you lost something, you lost someone, um, your finances are in the toilet, or, or, or maybe you can't even figure out what's going wrong, but you just know you're hanging out in the basement too long, and you have a burden in your life and you need some power, then I would like to actually pray with you and pray for you. And I would invite you, if you want to, come down and I will do that specifically with you. If anybody does, uh, come down right now.
and I'll pray with you. Anybody? You, okay, we got one. For those of you that are, that are wanting to participate, you can come down at any time or just stay at your seat. And uh, what I want you to first of all do is I want you to know that I know what it's like to be stuck. But more so, Jesus knows what it's like to be stuck. The next thing I want you to do is I want you to, I want you to tell God where it's hurting. I want you to tell God what you want. It's interesting uh, when Jesus met up with the, with the guy named Bartimaeus on the road who was blind, and Jesus told the disciples to have Bartimaeus come to him. Jesus knew he was blind, but Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> I thought it was pretty obvious, but Jesus wanted Bartimaeus to tell him with his lips. So I want you to right now just honestly tell Jesus where it's hurting. Tell him with your lips what you want. We're going to show you next week that this is exactly how Jesus lived his life. And now what I want you to do is I want you to take the palms of your hands. I want you to signal to God that you want to receive his strength. Let me pray over you. Father, for these folks that are before me now, these are your children. And they are hurting. They are discouraged. And they've just whispered to you, probably not for the first time, maybe for the thousandth time where they're hurting. And maybe they're even courageous enough to tell you what they want which you already know. But Father, you are writing a story with their life that may involve, what well, does involve this very experience that they're going through and you have not abandoned them. You have not left them. Remind them of that right now. Father, push into the palms of their hands right now the sense of your presence. And Father, remind them that because of their allegiance to your son Jesus Christ that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead resides within them and father I pray that you would empower them to overcome the struggles in their life we know that you have a plan it may not be tomorrow but father healing is coming father empowerment is coming to rise above, to get around or bust through the obstacle that is before them. And Father, right now, I pray that they would whisper with their spirit, Father, I receive, I receive your power. And now I want to leave you with this blessing from number six. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. So you want to ask the question, where am I at on the empowerment scale? Well, here's all I can tell you. I did finish a book entitled His Mighty Strength, Walking Daily in the Same Power that Raised Jesus from the Dead. So it is time for me to strap on the superhero cape again because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me and it turns out that power is going to make me victorious just saying God bless you thank you for joining us a special thank you to those of you that choose to give to this ministry it's because of your generosity that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit thecrossing.net forward slash podcast for more information. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, tagging One Crossing on social media. Thank you so much for listening.